Well, welcome to Living Water. We are super glad that you're here today, um, that you came to worship with us. It's always good to be in God's house. Um, there was an energy in the first service that, uh, frankly, I've not seen in a little while um, during worship, and I actually kind of took me back a moment and thought, wow, but it's the way it should be. Um, we as followers of Christ have good news to celebrate, amen? And it's okay to celebrate God. I mean, we are, it's a celebration of life. We have life because of the gospel, and so we should clap, and we should applaud when we see somebody step out in faith and demonstrate that, uh, their faith in Christ by being baptized, and we ought to be able to express that in our worship time as well. I got some news for you. One day, when we get to heaven, whether you like it or not, it's probably going to be loud. There's probably a lot of joy in the place, and uh, we'll be singing to the one who's made it all possible, right? The one who's the, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, will be in his presence singing. And if you're uncomfortable with that, and you might want to get used to it a little bit. So um, it's just going to be awesome. I just can't imagine what that's going to be like one day when we're in heaven and singing his praises. I think the worship is going to be off the chain. Awesome, right? All right, are you glad to be here? Good. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I will try to move rapidly today. I had to, in the first service, I could probably make this into a two-week service, uh, but I, I want to wrap up today our series on the Helper. We've been in this study on the Holy Spirit, um, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 <clears throat> today, uh, but the series of the Helper, the Holy Spirit, another Helper, Jesus promised would come one day, and we know on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and turned the world upside down. And so we've been looking at who the Holy Spirit is, what his role is in our life, his presence in our life, what he does for us in our life. And so first week, we looked at the fact that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I would say, tragically, today, there are many believers who are comfortable um, with the two-thirds of the Trinity. We're good with God the Father. And we're good with God the Son, but we neglect many times the ministry um, and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. And so the idea was just to look at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit, not the weirdness, the goofy, but just to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and to, to see the need for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? So we talked about our best friend. And so uh, we looked at his presence, and we experienced one thing that um, other people never experienced throughout history in church before Pentecost. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, in, in pre-Pentecost uh, believers, they didn't experience that we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Uh, the Bible says that we're sealed until the day of redemption. And then we talked about this idea that he leads us, that he leads us into truth. He's not going to speak of his own, but he's going to repeat what Christ told him. And so there's just this picture of leading us and living in us, and that should be empowering to the body of Christ. The next week we looked at his role outside of the body of Christ. That is, what does he do before we even get saved, before we even come to the faith, he's at work. Before you were looking for God, God was at work through the Holy Spirit, wooing you and preparing you and bringing you to the point of salvation. The Bible says that he convicts the world of sin. He said the sin is because they do not believe in the only begotten Son of God. He convicts them of righteousness because Jesus goes to the Father. He said there's a way uh, that has been made for you to be righteous before God, and it's through Jesus only, not through works. And, and then because of the judgment, he, ju he, he uh, condemns them, or he judges, what is it? Convicts them of judgment. Sorry, I'm um, getting my brain going. He convicts them of judgment. And so the Holy Spirit is at work before we even become followers of Christ. That's why the word says that no man can come to the Father unless he's drawn by the Holy Spirit. So there's a work. Aren't you glad for the work of the Holy Spirit before we responded to the gospel? That's his work. So if you're here today and you've not placed your faith in the gospel of Jesus and you feel this tug at your heart, you feel something in you that's like, man, there's just something about what's being shared. And I feel like I need to do something with that. It's possibly that the Holy Spirit is like, 
going, hey, you, this is for you, and you need to respond to that. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. So then we place our faith in the gospel. The Holy Spirit moves in us. And then the last week, last week, I talked about his role as our guide and our role and responsibility to follow him as the guide, to keep in step with the Spirit. And so what I shared last week was every day, this morning when you woke up, did you know that you had a choice? Every day that you wake up, you have a choice on who you want to follow. Now, one of the the leaders is the old flesh, and it's the easy one to follow. It's what comes naturally to us each and every day. And so last week, we looked at the results of following the flesh, what that brings. But we also talked about the choice that we have to yield to, to follow the guide of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in the life of the believer. We hopefully follow the guide of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? And so we talked for a moment about space, and I think this resonated with some people. I know it does with me, but to consider like a margin in your life, a space, and what I mean by that is there's this space or this gap between someone's words and your response to their words. There's this space or this gap between someone's actions and your response to their actions, There's a space or a gap between some circumstance that you're going through, some hardship, some hard thing that's come upon you. There's a gap, a space between the event and your response to that event. And what I hope to have communicated last week, and I want us to understand is, we need to recognize the gap is there, and it's in that gap that we push the pause button and we say, I know the flesh wants to say this, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? I know that the flesh is freaking out right now, and I want to be worried and concerned, but Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to this circumstance I'm going through? I know what I want to do because of what someone else has done to me, but I'm going to push the pause button in this space and ask, Holy Spirit, would you guide me? And we learn that he is a good guide. He's always going to guide us in the truth, right? And so the idea is that we should get into the habit of saying, I need the Holy Spirit and his guidance in my life. I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. I need the Holy Spirit to drive down I-40. I need the Holy Spirit when I'm dodging all the potholes from all the rain on those roads. I need the Holy Spirit every day. Amen? We need his guidance in our lives. And so today I want to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit as he equips us for action. Say action. So there's this idea that the Holy Spirit not only indwells us, but he does something. He equips us for Action. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Before you were looking for God, God was, on, on, he was at work in the background. Holy Spirit was wooing you into a relationship, and you placed your faith in the gospel. And at that moment, the Bible says the Holy Spirit baptized you into the body of Christ. You do not belong to your own. You're a part of a bigger picture. This is why I have a problem with people who say, hey, I've got my own private religion. I don't need the church. Uh-uh. Scripture says that you are a part of the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is huge, Right? So you place your faith in the gospel, you're baptized into the body of believers, and God says, hey, I've got a plan for you, and I've got a job and a role for you to fulfill, and you're not going to be able to do it in your own strength. How many of you know when you try to do it in your own strength, you're going to get your results? But God's calling us to do things that are greater and bigger so that when they're done, we can only explain. There is something supernatural about that. I can't do it in my own flesh. I need the role and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And he's calling us to something great. And and I would just say this, all the one another verses in the Bible, you know, love one another, some of you are unlovable, just being honest. (laughs) I'm just joking. But but reality is, is like, love one another, but but not them. They're hard to deal with, right? Forgive one another. Yeah, but you don't know what they, can I just say that those are sometimes hard to do? 
And so there's, the, the flesh will never respond. I just feel like forgiving. I just feel like loving. No, that's naturally not normal. And so we need a supernatural work in us that causes us to say, hey, I'm going to, as an act of my will, forgive because I've been commanded to forgive, even when it doesn't feel right in the natural, right? So the Holy Spirit moves in us and he enables us to do these things that we just frankly can't accomplish on our own. So when the Holy Spirit moves into our life, I want us to get this mental picture. Now, I brought some, um, a prop today, and I, did not, I, did, I was not paid um, by my Milwaukee representative that's here today, but I wanted to bring my pack out. And no, they're not for free, or we're not giving out at the end of the service. David told the first service I had the gift of giving. No, I don't. <laughs> but I wanted to bring that because visuals help me. Right? And hopefully they help you as well. So I want you to imagine a moment. So the Holy Spirit moves in and he comes rolling up into your life with a packed out case. Hopefully that's what we'll see, you know, is that he comes in with these resources, these abilities, these special abilities, right? The scriptures call them the spiritual gifts, but I want us to think about them as abilities. Think of them as tools for a job. Too many times people look at the gifts of the Spirit more like toys. I mean, ooh, I want the, the gifts of the Spirit because they're cool and they make me feel good. That's the wrong approach to the spiritual gifts. We should look at them as though they are tools, resources, to be able to accomplish something that's so much greater than ourselves. The Holy Spirit says, hey, I'm going to move into your life, and I'm going to bring with me the tools necessary for you, yes, you, to play a part in the greater scheme of the body of Christ. Are you with me so far? So Paul breaks this down, and this is mostly a Pauline doctrine, the spiritual gifts. We see it in Ephesians 4. We see it in Romans 12. We see it here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a reference. 1 Peter hits it, um, I think, in chapter 4. But the big uh, push of the doctrine is the Pauline doctrine on the spiritual gifts. Um, and, and so what I would like to do is share with us today seven fundamental principles about spiritual gifts things that we just know from the scriptures, what he tells us. Um, put them quickly into three major categories because they're like three lists. Somebody said there's between 18 and 22 gifts, but you can put them into categories, and we'll focus on a little of those um, today. And more importantly, how to discern and develop the gift that the Holy Spirit has brought into your life. And so can we, can we do that this morning? So let's begin by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then we'll pray. He says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, Regarding your question about special abilities, let me just back up for a moment. This church at Corinth was jacked up. If it was, I mean, you know the, the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? This is the phrase that they would have used in Paul's time about Corinth. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. They would go to Corinth to take a vacation for morality, if you know what I mean. Uh, there were some goddesses of Asherah, I think it was, and they had like the, the, the temple shrine prostitutes, like a thousand of them there, and they would make good use of the prostitutes. And so they had this saying that said, you're acting like a Corinthian. That was to say that you were indulging in debauchery and prostitution. And so in the midst of this, Paul plants this church. This culture is jacked up. It's, it's very out of whack, and the church is born. Paul spends about a year and a half pouring into the church, um, and then he leaves that second missionary journey, and about five years later, he gets a letter from Chloe's household, chapter one, it says, and they bring up some concerns. Hey, the church is out of whack. So 1 Corinthians is a corrective letter. We need to know that, right? There's some doctrine in there that we learn from, but we also need to know that Paul was giving them a tongue lashing um, from this letter. He was like, you guys are jacked up. There was division in the church. 
Um, there was incest in the church. One dude was sleeping with his stepmom. Um, there were lawsuits in the church. He says, why are you guys going outside of the body of Christ to have these things tried in a court of law? You should bring that into the church and deal with it as believers so that we're not giving the gospel a big black eye. He's like, you're out of whack. And then their worship services were chaotic, right? And there were all these sexual sins. And so it's in that context that Paul writes this letter to a church that is seriously in need of, I guess, correction. All right? So he says, they asked the question about, Holy Spirit, or about the spiritual gifts. And he said, so to answer your question regarding the special abilities or the gifts the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to one another and to someone else that one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Let's read on. This is important. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by the Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not the hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First, the apostles. Second, the prophets. Third, the teachers. Then those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. And he goes on to say, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? 
Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And then he goes on to say, but let me show you the best way of all. And he goes into that love chapter, chapter 13. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that in this moment you would help us to push the pause button and listen to what you might want to say to us. Lord, I realize that when you get on the topic of the Holy Spirit, it can be for some controversial, weird for others. But God, we need um, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our church. And so God, we want to yield to what you might share with us today. And more importantly, just to discover what you've brought into our lives and how you've equipped us for action. And Lord, I pray that you would give us this desire to just take a step of obedience, um, trusting you, uh, Lord, that what you've given to us to serve the body um, is there for a purpose, and then we'll find our place there and honor you in it. I humbly ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So when it comes to the topic of the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit, as I said a moment ago, that for some it's, it's weird. Um, I grew up in the weird, um, and so for a long time I would stay away from some of these topics because that's all we focused on was the weird. But the reality is there's so much more that's not the fun, shiny, uh, more weird gifts for some, depending on what perspective you're at, um, that are very important and helpful to the church. And so I'm gonna ask first off, what is a spiritual gift? What is this special ability? It is this. It's not something that you're born with a natural talent, right? Because as a naturally talented, I mean, I can play a lot of different instruments on the stage, but that doesn't mean just because I'm a believer that's a spiritual gift. That's a natural talent. I know many people who are not believers that have the same talent. So a spiritual gift is something that when we are born again, we place our faith in the gospel, Holy Spirit comes rolling up with his toolbox, right, of resources, and he gives us these, uh, enables us to do a certain work. And so it's a special, unique ability. It's a special, unique ability given by God, the Holy Spirit, to every believer, every believer, for the purpose of edifying the body and glorifying God. Let me say that one more time. It's a special, unique ability given by God to every believer for the purpose of edifying, not self, but edifying the body. That is to build up for the benefit of the body and glorifying, not self, but glorifying God. That is what is a special spiritual gift or a special ability that the Holy Spirit brings. And so quickly, I want to give you seven foundational principles that Paul hit in this passage. If you're paying attention, you probably saw these. But the first is there are different types of spiritual gifts. There's variety there. Now, I would say that this list is not exhaustive, and I don't think there's a great definition of all of these particular ones. We don't know how exactly they were employed in the early church. Some of them are pretty self-explanatory, but we know that there are different kinds of gifts. He says it in verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Um, I said before, out of the three lists, you can kind of stick them into three categories. There's the supernatural. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on those today because I think that's the one that the church has heard about for so many years. I'll briefly hit it. But I want to focus on what I feel like are the more helpful gifts in the context of the body of Christ. Those are the support gifts, and those are the speaking um, gifts. So there are different types of spiritual gifts. Secondly, every Christian has a spiritual gift. Did you know that? You may be here today like, I'm a Christian, but I don't think I've got a gift. Can I just tell you that every believer has a gift? You may not know what it is, but you got it. The Holy Spirit didn't show up in your life empty-handed. He brought something, so every believer has a gift. Listen to what he says in verse 7. A spiritual given, a gift is given to each of us. Say each of us. 
What does that mean? I don't know. Each of us. And so that we would understand that in verse 11, he also says that the Holy Spirit is the one that tells us that each of us, the gifts that each of us have. Paul hits it again in Ephesians. Peter hits it in 1 Peter. The idea is that every follower of Christ, if you've placed your faith in the gospel, the Holy Spirit moved inside of your life. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? But he didn't bring just his luggage in. He came rolling up into your life with the resources that you need for action to equip you for action. So every Christian has a spiritual gift. Number three, the foundational principle is your spiritual gift is not for you. So the churches I grew up in, it was all about me. It was how I felt when I was operating in those gifts. Or, you know, I just know how it makes me feel. It edifies me. I got a problem with that, and so does Scripture. It's not about you. The purpose of the gifts was not to build yourself up, but to edify the whole body of Christ. So here's what he says. Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, here it is, help each other. So the purpose of these special abilities that the Holy Spirit brings into our life is for the purpose of serving other people. It's not about our own benefit, but it's to be used in the edification of the entire body of Christ. Are you with me so far? All right, number four, you do not get to choose which gift you have. That'd be cool, right? Like, ooh, I want to be the preacher on the stage. Ooh, give me the ability to just lead in worship. Or, ooh, I want to be able to predict the future like the prophecies of old. It's like, I want to. I get that, but we don't get to choose those. Here's what it says. Verse 11, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone, alone, decides which gift each person should have. So the Holy Spirit's role is to say, hey, I know what you need. I know the natural abilities that God has given you at birth, and I can couple that with the perfect tool to make you very effective in the body of Christ. And so he knows what each one of us need, and it is his role to assign whatever special abilities, whether it's one or whether it's ten, that he gives to the believers. We don't choose which ones we can get. Number five, and this is an important one, your gift that you've got, that every believer has, is essential and necessary for the body to function properly. This is so important because I know people, and I've heard people for years say, well, I don't have one of those gifts that I feel like is very effective. Um, I just got one of these little gifts, and I don't feel like um, I'm that important. I want you to know that I don't care what you might feel about the insignificance of a gift, an ability that the Spirit gives you. It is essential and it is necessary for the body to function properly. Listen to what he says. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? He's going to say in verse 22, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And so, you know, I've had people say, well, Shane, what about that little widow lady that's in her closet praying? Can I just tell you that I think that's probably one of the most powerful gifts that she can employ. Because prayer is powerful, right? Gift of service. There's, there's so many of them. So don't minimize that. Your gift, what, what the Holy Spirit has brought into you, is essential and necessary for the body to be able to function properly. Not everybody's going to be the pastor. Don't buy into that. Well, because I'm not a pastor, I'm not important. You are important. The flip side of that is also true. You're not special more than someone else. See, this is what I grew up in. There were these super saints. And because they had certain spiritual gifts that I didn't have, they would almost look down on you because you didn't have what they have. And so like, you, you, have you spoken in tongues? No, well, you ain't got it. And I was like, man, that's just so wrong and hurtful. And the reality is, is your gift is not more valuable and it's not more important 
than others' gifts. And we need to know this. Here's what Paul says. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The reality is, is God has put us all together the way that he wants it. The Holy Spirit has equipped us the way that he wants it. And we can't say, you know what, because you don't share the gift of preaching or pastoring or teaching like that, yours is insignificant. No, 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 no. Yours is essential and necessary. And I should never, ever get arrogant thinking that mine is better than yours. We're all on an even playing field. God has a purpose for all of us. Amen? All right, and lastly, I would say this. Spiritual gifts are um, to be encouraged and supported by others. And so he says this, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it, verse 26. And if one part is honored, all the parts are, are glad. And so when you see someone who's been gifted by the Holy Spirit to do certain things, and you see them thriving in that gift, excelling in that gift, we should be happy for the body of Christ that they discovered that and they're excelling in it. Amen? Well, there's no room in the body of Christ for jealousy. Hmm, why does he get to do that really well? I can't sing to save my life, you know? So there's no room for jealousy in the body of Christ, but when others are struggling in their faith, they should be come alongside and encouraged and strengthened. And so it's like the body of Christ, we're all one, and one part affects all of the parts. If you imagine stubbing your, your big toe, no, 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 a toothache. Anybody ever had a toothache? Oh, Lord, I've had a bunch. You know what's crazy about a toothache? It's a little bitty tooth in the mouth. But it can jack your whole system up, can it? I got fever, my whole body aches, I can't concentrate. I'm just like jacked up and it's all over one little bitty toothache. He just said that's what the body is together. Is like when one part suffers, the whole body suffers. So the idea is we are in this thing together. Amen? And so we're in this together. We're the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit says, hey, listen, God's calling us to a work that is so much greater than your ability to do, so I'm going to resource you. I'm going to bring these abilities into your life. I'm going to tell you which ones you can have, right? None of you are more important than the other, but together we all have a part. We're all going to be equipped to do the work that God's calling us to do. Are you thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you thankful that God loves us enough that he didn't say, here's a job, good luck finding the tools to get it done? Because what he's saying is there's a job, and I'm going to give you the precise tool for you to be able to accomplish my will for your life in the context of the body of Christ. That's pretty cool, isn't it? All right, so three major categories, as I said a moment ago. There's the supernatural. I grew up in this. And frankly, um, the first Corinthian church was abusing it big time. So Paul is kind of lining them out. Here's what I'll say about this. There are some that will say that there's the cessation of some of the gifts. And they'll use 1 Corinthians uh, 13, 9. And they use this verse, it says, now, all, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. And even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Can I ask you a question? Do we have all the knowledge yet? It's not complete yet, right? So some have said, okay, Shane, when the completion of the word of God was put together, then all of these gifts became useless. I don't agree with that. I don't think he's talking about when that which is perfect has come is the translation of the Bible. Um, but in the context of love here, I'm not even going to say I think it's love, but I do think it's this. One day when Christ appears and all of it is made right and I will know him as I have been made known and all things will become clear to me when that which is perfect, that is the end of all things and Jesus is here, we won't need those gifts. So I say that to say this. I still believe I don't want to limit what God can do, but I'm not going to manufacture it. Okay, so I, I was raised in churches where it felt like there was a lot of um, 
focus on self and praising of self because of the things that they could do or manipulating. You've seen people busted online for faking certain things. I don't want to go there, but I don't want to limit God either. Here's what I hope. I hope that if someone calls and says, hey, Shane, I want you to pray for us. I want you to, I'm doing this with a wall and pray for us. I hope that God still heals people. And I still believe he does, if it's his will. And so I don't want to like, well, God can't do that anymore. I want to say, God, I want you to heal this person because we believe you, we trust you, and we don't want to limit you. Amen? Um, I hope that if I'm ever stuck in, like, I don't know, South Africa, I speak Texan and a little bit of Spanish, and God puts me in an environment where there's no one there, and he says, Shane, I want you to preach the gospel. <laughs> How? Here's what I believe. I believe that I can start speaking in my Texas slang, in my English, and they will hear it in their native tongue. I believe that. That he can do that. It's not that common anymore with translators, but I believe he can still do that. Or, or you know, I'm just thinking I'm speaking English, but they're on. no, you were speaking perfect, whatever that language is. I just believe that he can still do those things. And so I don't want to limit him, but again, the focus is not there. I want to focus on what I believe is more helpful in the context of the body of Christ. Okay? So, what are they? The second one would be what, I, what are considered the speaking gifts. So there's this gift of teaching. That, you know what that gift of teaching is? Someone who's able to take complex ideas and break them down in a way to communicate them in such a way that people just are able to grab a hold of them. I believe that God has given me that gift. I don't say that arrogantly. I didn't go to school to get it. But I just recognized early on that God gives me the ability to put things in a way that everybody can just grab a hold of it. That's a gift that he gave me. To be able to communicate in a way that people can just grab a hold of it. Now here's the thing. It's not just for those on the stage. I believe this is a gift that many other people might have. And in the context of your families or at work, these complex things come up. And God has just given you the ability to take them and break them down in a way that makes it so easy for somebody to understand it. That's pretty cool, isn't it? The speaking gifts, words of wisdom. Have you ever run into somebody that has just the right words at the right time when you're struggling with something? I mean, like, I'm struggling in my marriage or with finances or with some particular issue, and somebody just says, you know what, here's what I would do in that. And it's like, why did I think of that? They just got this wisdom. You're like, how do you have so much? That's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to some, and they just have a lot of wisdom. That's beneficial to the body of Christ. Another one is evangelism. Now, I believe that God wants us to all be evangelists at heart, right? Like that everybody comes to the faith. Not everybody's gifted in that. I don't wake up in the morning going, <laughs> I want to go tell somebody about Jesus today. I want to send a few people to Jesus when I drive in traffic. But to tell them about Jesus, his love for them and how to be saved, some people have that gift. They just naturally evangelistic, they're like, man, I just feel like I need to break it down and share with them the gospel. That's a speaking gift that he gives. And another one that's huge in the context of the body of Christ is exhortation. That's like the building up, the encouragement, the speaking the right words, or maybe, maybe it's a rebuke, but it's just fitting word at a time in the midst of the context of the church where you're saying, hey, uh, somebody's going through something, and you just... You're just like, hey, listen, I believe in you. And you spend time with someone with that gift, and you walk away changed. You're like, man, I feel like I can go conquer the world now. Thank you. That was very much, that was very helpful, right? So, I mean, I can preach a thousand sermons, and you won't remember anything I say, but if someone is with you in a moment of your life when you really need them, and they're there, and they're just loving on you and speaking into you, encouraging you through it, how many know you remember those things? We need that in the context of the body of Christ. Those are the speaking gifts. And then there's the support gifts, Mercy. Some have just this amazing ability 
to just have a heavy heart towards those who are down on their luck, those that are going through difficult times. People like me, we're just going through life, and we don't even, we're oblivious to it. And yet there's some people that are just like, man, I, I just got a heart. My heart's burdened for this family who's financially going through a situation, or this person on the side of the street, aw, there's, it's a gift of mercy. And how many know that's a, a good gift to have as well? So this gift of mercy to show compassion to others is very helpful in the body of Christ. There's some that have the gift of giving. And, and giving is not like when somebody says, hey, will you help? But they just naturally go, hey, man, I just feel like blessing somebody and you overhear of a need and you're like, hey, I'm going to do that and I don't want anybody to know. And you just give. Or when there is an ask to give something, you're like, going, I just feel generous today. I want to I give. That's a gift because it goes against our natural flesh, doesn't it? Like To show mercy? Natural, no, not naturally, or to, to be giving. No, it's, it's supernatural. It's one of the abilities the Spirit gives some. Some have the, the ability of administration. Rachel, my wife, has that ability. None of the other staff at Living Water do. <laughs> it's chaos, y'all. And so I always say, like, Rachel's the glue that holds it all together. I don't know what we would do without her. She just has this ability to see complex things and go, here's what we need to do. And she starts putting people here, do this, do that, do this. And she just has this ability to just kind of take control of a situation and rule. That's a blessing in the context of the body of Christ, right? Those that have that administrative abilities. Here's another one, serving or helping. These are the people that show up and go, hey, I don't really feel led to do anything specific, but I'm just here. What do you need? You need anything? I'm your guy. I want to just serve wherever the need's at. That is a gift to the church, this gift. It's a support gift to help and to serve wherever the need's at. And pastoring, it's another support gift. I'm the pastor of the church, and so I feel like that this, this heart of shepherding people, and I desire to love and care for people and, and teach people, but it's not just confined to the pulpit and to my role. There are many people in the body of Christ that have the gift of pastoring or shepherding other people, right? It's like I got my group, and I'm just loving on them, and I'm shepherding them, and I'm caring for them. It's beautiful in the context of the body of Christ. And so briefly, those are just some of the, the many gifts that the Spirit brings us. So I don't want us to miss this. The reality is when you place your faith in the gospel, Holy Spirit comes in. And he brings with him the resources that you need, that I need, right? And he knows what they are. And he says, hey, I've got, we've got some big work to do. And you can't do it in your own strength. And so I'm here to help. I'm the helper, right? But I'm also going to resource you to be able to do the things that you need to do. And so wouldn't it be cool if we knew what those were in our own lives? Wouldn't it be cool... Not in the church, but I mean, just at home, you are the church. Wherever you're at, you're the body of Christ. Wouldn't it be cool if you just knew what the Holy Spirit has gifted you to do? And in a moment, when everybody else is standing around, you're like going, hey, here's my, here's my moment. This is what the Holy Spirit has gifted me to do, and, and I want to be able to know that and employ that and to be a benefit to the body of Christ. Wouldn't that be cool? How many know the church would be healthier if we knew that? Right? So here's what we do. How do we discern or discover what those gifts are. Well, the first thing we need to do is know them, and so I would say study, read, read up on it. I'll give you three lists. There's 1 Corinthians 12, there's Romans 12, there's Ephesians 4. Together, there are 18 to 20, maybe 22 different gifts that are referenced. I don't believe it's an exhaustive list, but I believe there's some of the things that he says that the Holy Spirit brings into the life of the believer. So get to know it. Another thing you can do, and, and I'll tell you this, later today, the sermon will be uploaded to the website. 
It'll be on Facebook, and so you can just click the link, livingwater.family, go to sermons, navigate to today's sermon, and I'll have the, uh, the link embedded in the, uh, the information at the bottom of that sermon to a spiritual gifts assessment. And here's what I would encourage everybody to do. It's free, it's a little lengthy, and so I think prayerfully we should say, hey, I want to know. I want to know what he's gifted me to do. And so prayerfully sit down, click on the link, and follow through with that, and just discover Maybe it asks questions, and at the end of this thing, it says, hey, you might be, you're really strong in this category. You might have the gift of teaching. <laughs> Not me? Yeah, I mean, that's how we discover, right? And so learn by doing that. And then I would say also, I would encourage you to, to not just keep that to yourself because we're a part of this together, right? But to say, hey, I'm the part of the body. I need to let somebody know this is what I feel like that my spiritual gift is. And so I'm going to tell the leadership, I'm going to tell uh, the pastor of the church and, and let them know um, that this is what I've evaluated, you know, doing this test. These are where my gifts, I think, are. Um, and secondly, I would say examine yourself. What do I mean by that? What am I naturally good at? Now, there's things that we are born with. There's things that we learn. I mean, you learn to play an instrument. But what are you just naturally good at? Just evaluate that. Examine that in your own life. Have other people confirmed something in you? You know, somebody comes to you and says, you're such an encourager. Uh, ding, 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 ding. That might be a hint that you have the gift of encouragement, right? And so what have others confirmed in you? Shane, I like the way you preach. You put it in a way where I can grab a hold and understand it. Okay, God, I'm going to quit beating myself up because I don't feel like I'm good enough. But I believe you've given me a gift, and I want to be obedient in using that gift for the betterment of the people. Amen? So what have others confirmed in you? What are the things that you've done that have had a significant impact in someone else's life? Do you get a sense of fulfillment in doing certain things? All of these can be little determining factors on how you discover what your gift is. Then I would say this, experiment and explore. Get involved in church. Get plugged into the body of Christ. Go to the leadership and say, hey, listen, I don't know. Here's what I want you not to do. Don't wait till you have it all figured out. If we had done that, I would not be your pastor today. But 20 years ago, I discovered, you know, God, I believe you've given, you've given me this desire, and I believe you've given me this gift, and so I'm going to step out, and I'm going to begin doing it. And I, I pity the first church 20 years ago. <laughs> it was probably bad, just being honest. But over time and exercising, and working with that and being obedient with it, I see how God has grown me um, in that. So experiment, explore. Sometimes you get involved in a church and you find out very quickly, I am not called to that. It was for me, it was youth ministry years ago. I'm like, there's not enough duct tape for me to do youth ministry. <laughs> but I started teaching an, a, an older adult class and I was like, ooh, I like this, you know, college career, whatever. And, and I started experiencing that overall. And so I would say, go to the leadership, get plugged in, make yourself available, and then exercise or develop or practice that gift. You've heard the phrase, um, practice makes perfect. I would say, you know, I'm not looking for the weird. Um, that's not what I'm about, right? Uh, but I feel like there, there's this pendulum effect. We can focus on the, the crazy supernatural weird, which some have done, and that's what I was raised in, or we can completely ignore it altogether. And I think the church, the body of Christ, suffers as a result. And so we need the Holy Spirit, we need his presence like a best friend in our lives. We need him to guide us. And we need to understand that when he moved in, he didn't come in empty-handed. He brought with him these abilities for each and every one of us to have an effect in the body of Christ. He's equipped us for action. The question is, will we discern what that might be? And will we be 
willing. I don't think you're truly enjoying and living until you discover some of those things and you're stepping out. You're like, man, this is fun when you start discovering those things. And so I would say, what is the goal? Are we done yet? Uh, not, not the sermon, but are we all mature yet? Uh, Paul says in Ephesians, he says, you know, God gave these gifts and he talks about the fivefold ministry, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work, to equip God's people. So the preaching and the teaching is the equipping. What are we equipping? God's people. Raise your hand if you're God's people, right? So to equip God's people to do what? To feel good about themselves? No. To be edified? No. Hopefully that happens, but to do his work, right? So there's work to be done in the context of the body of Christ. And he says, and build up the church, that is the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Are we there yet? No. There's much work to be done. And so when we realize this, he says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about with every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, and each part does its, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I love that picture, don't you? We are a part of the, the body of Christ, and we have a role. We have a, a job to do, so to speak. And I'm so thankful that God loves us enough that he didn't just give us the job to do and say, good luck finding the tools that you need to get it done. But he says, hey, I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. I'm going to give you the job, but I'm going to resource you with the tools that you need to be able to accomplish what I desire for the body of Christ. And this will go on and on and on, I believe, until Christ returns again. Amen? So the question is, wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if we truly understood and embraced this truth and said, you know what, I want to know what my role is in the body of Christ. And maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, but I don't really feel like I've got a role. Yes, you do. You're necessary. You're important to the body of Christ. Don't minimize that. But to say, God, what is it and how is it that you want to use me? Again, it's not for my glory. There are some televangelists, they get up there and it's all about, it feels like it's all about them. Look at me, look at me. It's for the glory of God, not the glory of man, right? And so when the work is being done and you're seeing great things happen, I can't say, well, of course it's happening because I'm good. No, I'm an idiot. And you know what God did? He gave me these abilities to do things that are beyond my ability to do in the flesh. And all praise and honor and glory belong to him and him alone. Amen? So, Father, I thank you for, Lord, the presence, the power, the guidance, and the resources that your Holy Spirit brings into our life the moment we believe. Lord, I, I realize that for some people this is a stretch. This is a, it's difficult for them to just wrap their minds around that you live in us. That is so crazy to think about. When we consider the Old Testament and how they didn't have that privilege, and today we have God, the author and the perfecter of our faith, the, the creator of the universe, the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, living not just visiting from time to time, but living in us like a house. And he doesn't come empty-handed, but God, I thank you that he brings the resources that are needed for us to play our part, to play our role in the bigger picture of the body of Christ all across the globe today. 
It's not just about living water or a different church over here and there, these little fellowships that we put together, but we all belong to a greater, greater cause, the body of Christ. And Lord, I feel like the body of Christ is seriously malnourished. I feel like there's a lot of things missing, Lord, today in the church because we don't get it. And so, God, if you don't do anything else, I pray that you would just instill within each one of us this urgency to know that this is your plan, not mine. And God, you're calling us to a greater purpose than what we could ever do in our own strength, our own flesh. But you didn't leave us empty-handed. You gave us the gift of yourself and the Holy Spirit living in us and his resources to be able to do what you've called us to do. So Lord, help us to discover those gifts. Help us to ask you and, and discern what it is that you might have equipped us to do and help us to step out of our comfort zones and employ those, whether it be in the context of the church, like fellowship, or whether it's in a smaller environment at work, at school, but just to discern what we're all about, what you've called us and equipped us to do so that we can find our place and our role in the body and build up, build up, build up the body of Christ. Well, the reality is there's so many people that are hurting. There's so many people right now that need exhortation, encouragement, teaching, to understand your word. There's so many people today that need shepherded, that need served, that need mercy. God, I pray that you would just put that desire within each and every one of us so that we see our role and that we get engaged in what you've called us to do. And at the end of the day, we don't pat ourselves on the back and say, look at us, but we point to you and say, look at what God has done. And it can only be explained as a work of your Holy Spirit through us in us, and for your glory, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.